Listener Production. You're listening to Darling Shine, a podcast by myself, Elodie Pullen, and me, Chloe Fisher. A place where we ground womanhood's unspoken experiences from grief to fertility and everything in between. Join us while we transform our pain into power, encompassing all emotions ugly and beautiful. Darling Shine is your chosen family and your survival kit for the unexpected shit life throws at you. Hello everyone and welcome to today's episode of Darling Shine. It is actually just me today. L's off sipping margaritas somewhere, I'm sure. Today is a really important episode to me. And as you know, I am a big advocate in the space of miscarriage and pregnancy loss. And I always want to try and give it as much airtime as possible because it's really something that's just not spoken about enough. As you know, one in four pregnancies will end in miscarriage, which is just so sad. And I just feel like it's so unspoken. And I obviously want to help as many women out there as possible. I obviously can't control the outcome of your pregnancies, but I definitely can control how you feel and how you can be supported through the process. So today I have Sam Payne on the podcast, who is the CEO of the Pink Elephant Support Network. I'm so passionate about spreading awareness around this not-for-profit organization and charity It was around when I have gone through my four miscarriages, but I was just not aware of it and I was not aware of their resources and their support that they provided. So I've learned a lot about this organization as of late and I really wanted to get the word out there to help more women going through miscarriage. There is also going to be a little announcement towards the end, so stick around But before we get into it, I do want to mention a bit of a trigger warning because we will talk about miscarriage, pregnancy loss, mental health and suicide. So if you feel like any of these are going to be triggering for you, this might not be the episode for you right now. Anyway, let's jump into the episode. Yay! Everybody, I'd like to wish a warm welcome to Sam Payne. Sam is the CEO of the Pink Elephant Support Network, and that was founded in Sydney back in 2016. It's a non-for-profit organisation that provides individuals with the latest resources, information and peer support for anyone impacted in early pregnancy loss. Welcome to the podcast, Sam. Hey, thank you for having me, Chloe. Excited to be here and talk about the work of Pink Elephants. Before we get started, do you want to quickly explain to our listeners in case they are not familiar, but what does early pregnancy loss encompass? Yeah, sure. Um, Early pregnancy loss is the term that we use to encompass miscarriage, ectopic pregnancy, molar pregnancies. There's many different types of early pregnancy loss. The arbitrary definition by medical and health is that a loss in gestation prior to 20 weeks is an early pregnancy loss. Okay, because I feel like it definitely is something that is very unspoken and I know that's why I started the podcast and I guess I feel like we're a little bit similar in a way that that's why you started The Pink Elephants is because you were going through your own personal journey and you found there was absolutely no support out there. Do you want to speak to us a little bit about your personal journey before we get started? Yeah, sure. Um, So yeah, very similar to yourself. 
I was in the thick of trying for a baby and we were really struggling. Um, We did already have Georgie, which meant that people met me with, at least you have a child, focus on her, you'll be okay. Um, And that wasn't how I felt inside. And it was after my second miscarriage at 10 weeks that I was a complete and utter mess. I was broken. I was trying to get support and there was no support. So I was like, where do I go? I was asking health professionals and there was nothing. There was later term loss, like SANS, which is incredible for if you've had a stillbirth, but I didn't identify because I hadn't had a late term loss. I felt like my experience was different. And so that's where the idea for Pink Elephants came from was, well, I can't be the only one feeling this way. If one in four pregnancies end in loss, that means there's a lot of women out there who must feel similar to me. And we started holding focus groups and chatting to other women and saying, look, I have an idea. I want to connect people who are going through this. I met with Gabby, our co-founder at the same time, and she'd had years of IVF, years of pregnancy loss. And she also agreed that there needed to be something. And I guess together we just started little by little to grow Pink Elephants. We knew it needed to be a charity. We knew it needed to be something that women could access as and when they want uh, without any financial contribution. We know that these journeys can be so expensive in many other ways. And now we support thousands each month through our online communities. So did you say you started with a a friend of yours or did you meet, is it Gab or Gabby? Yeah, Gabby. Um, No, we weren't friends when I was going through my second miscarriage. Someone actually connected us and introduced us um, via Facebook. Turns out we lived in the same suburb as well. And I went for a coffee with Gabby and it was the first time I felt a sense of relief and like a weight had lifted off my shoulders. You know, when you know that someone else has been where you are and there's just that instant connection. Mm -hmm. So Gabby was peer support for me. And that's why Pink Elephants is peer support because when I sat and had that coffee with her, she didn't try and fix me. She didn't offer me a million solutions. Mm -hmm. She just listened and she held space. And there was an element of hope because she'd come out the other side and was holding space for me now. And I guess that's where, yeah, this idea became that it it wasn't just information that women wanted because also there was no trusted information at that point. There was one blog kind of thing. Everyone had their own blog, but at the end of the blog, they were trying to sell you a supplement that would make you pregnant. Yeah. And that used to irk me. Um, So there was that type of information. People didn't talk about miscarriage on social media in 2015, 2016. It was completely different to what it is now. And so Gabby was really the first person who just felt like she got it and I didn't need to explain. Oh, that's so nice. It's it's It sounds like a really similar, same, same, but different kind of journey to Elle and I, because I feel like when we, you know, we, I was going through my first miscarriage and I, I did not know anyone. I was, I think, 29. I literally had no idea that that was even a thing for a 29-year-old person to go through. I know that, I, I knew that my mum had had a miscarriage, but I was like, Oh, okay, you know, it happens and then you go to the hospital and they give you the pamphlets and it's just such, it's so not a personal experience. You get sort of sent home, you're feeling like shit, then you get either booked in for a DNC and you go and have your DNC and it's the saddest experience ever actually because you go in 100%. with this little embryo inside you and you leave feeling like you've got like a hole just like actually like cut out of you and you're just left on your own. And the, even I, I, I'm sure when I, maybe on my pamphlet or someone did tell me about the Pink Elephant Support Network, but this is obviously, you know, you've done so much work to get to that point. You kind of want that space for people that are going through the same thing as you to sort of like hold each other, to grieve with each other. 
because I found it really difficult to talk to friends who hadn't been through it because you don't want to keep on continuously saying like, you wouldn't understand sort of thing because that's, I think that that's not nice because everyone's only trying to do their best. But you really do find a sense of comfort when you find someone who has actually been through that that, that same experience. Yeah. yeah, you don't have to explain, right? I think that's part of it. We know from the women that we support, they feel a need to explain to people how they're feeling continually because we have such a lack of education around the true impact of miscarriage and pregnancy loss that people don't meet it with the same empathy as say a later term loss or another family member passes away. And therefore then there's this constant justification as to why you're still feeling this way. And then you add that with a layer of, okay, it's been two weeks now, you really should be all right. You should be back at work. And everyone assumes that miscarriage, because the gestation may have only been six, maybe eight weeks, they kind of quantify your grief to allow the same time frame. And if you go past that, then you're looked at in a strange way. You're, and there's this explanation that you can't do that when you're in the grief yourself, trying to explain to other people how much this is hurting mm. and how all the different things you're feeling is too much. Yeah, I know. We we hear all the time and it's, and I, I've said it a million times myself, but it's like one in four, I'm one in four. I feel like I'm like, I've had four, I'm four in four at the moment. Hmm. Um, but yeah, same. do we actually have stats on how many women are miscarrying each day or each year? Is there like a number that you can give or or is that so, sort of something that's not really documented? It's not really documented and this makes me so angry. Um, so there is no national collection of early pregnancy loss data within Australia. So what I mean by that is, is there's many different ways that we normally capture um, medical management and this Early pregnancy loss is tied in with abortion data because it's referred to in different different clinical language. The issue that we have, though, is if we don't measure the number of early pregnancy losses, it tells you how much this is disenfranchised, how much the medical system does not meet the needs of those going through it. Because if you don't count it, you don't fund it, you don't support it, you're not aware. There's kind of like this whole measurement that happens. We've lobbied the census to try and have early pregnancy loss included in there. We've hit another roadblock with that at the moment. But it's not just the ABS. There's the Australian Institute of Health and Welfare that should have codes that should be measuring the data. But I guess one of the things that we noticed with our Leave for Loss campaign was it took an organisation dedicated to the needs of those that go through early pregnancy loss to spot these gaps, to spot these glaring omissions and say, hey, why are we not counting this? Yeah. And it, it's more than just the validation it provides to a parent. Because when you say, I'm not going to count your baby, you're saying your baby doesn't exist. Mm. You, you are disenfranchising us and that's not good enough. But it's more than that. How are we meant to change the system? How are we meant to ensure that every person has support after their miscarriage? How are we meant to make sure that everyone can access a clinic to have a DNC? Because if you don't live in a metropolitan area, that in itself is a massive issue. But unless we know the true number of losses that are happening in these areas, then the health system can't be funded to meet that need. So yeah, it's a big part of our advocacy that we want. We talk about it in the language of count our babies, but it's really important. And there is, there's at best a guestillation where we work back from live birth data. So we say the live birth is this, if it's one in four pregnancies, and that right. this is the amount that we're losing. So it's not real. And technically, when you're at work, you're not really getting leave for having miscarriage, are you? Is that is that Has that been implemented yet? Or is that something that you guys are working towards? Or So it's been implemented in the Fair Work Act now. So what happened was, Again, we spotted the gap. I kept seeing women in our online communities struggling going back to work the same day. And I was like, this is not yeah. right. 
So I rang up Fair Work Australia, asked the question, had a man on the end of the phone who literally thought I was crazy because oh. I was like, that needs to change. You can't change the law. And I was like, well, you can because it needs to be uh-huh. changed. That then took three years of us building an incredibly strong case for support with lots of different evidence, financial modeling, the cost to businesses, um, connections with small business, et cetera. And then taking that to MPs and lobbying for that change. And it was actually two years ago yesterday that that change went through in Parliament in September 2021. Um, Incredible. And so it's in the Fair Work Act now that anyone who has a early pregnancy loss prior to 20 weeks is entitled to two days bereavement leave for themselves and the partner. Now, we're not saying it's the amount of leave because two days clearly isn't enough for most people. I was like, what? Yeah. Two days. Absolutely right. But what that does is it brings it into line with any other type of bereavement. So if you suffer any other type of loss, you get that bereavement leave. What we wanted to do was put miscarriage under the same bereavement leave act because what it didn't exist before. And what that meant was, again, we were disenfranchising our grief. We were saying, you're sick. You've broken your arm. You have the flu. Take sick leave. When actually, no, my baby died. I'm grieving, I deserve bereavement leave. Um, so for us, it was the validation of having miscarriage under bereavement leave. Yeah, right. And so how do women that are going through miscarriage, do, do they actually have to say that to their workplace that they've they've gone through a miscarriage? Or can you say it like some people, you don't want to talk about it and you don't want to tell people? Not everyone wants to. So we know that not everyone's comfortable um, firstly, there is a Sex and Discrimination Act that does cover you if you do disclose that you've had a miscarriage, which means obviously you're building a family okay. or trying to build a family that they can't use it that knowledge in any way to kind of not let you go for promotion in the future. So that's an important one to be aware. But what advice we give is to speak to your HR. If you're not comfortable speaking to your people leader or your managers, you don't want your team to know that you're going through this because it can be private yeah. and that's okay too. And you can speak to your HR, they would know that it's within the Fair Work Act and you can have that leave and they'll make sure it comes out of that entitlement and not out of, say, sick leave. We do a lot of work with workplaces now. For example, QBE, they now offer 12 weeks leave for an early pregnancy loss. Wow, that's amazing. Yeah, because they've worked with us for the last two years. We've unpacked what the experience can be truly like and that's so that things like coming up to Mother's Day, coming up to your due date, you might need some time off because we talked about this earlier offline, but those waves hit you in different ways, right? Mm -hmm. And it's not this linear grief journey of, like we talked about earlier, a week of a miscarriage and then all of a sudden I'm better, I'm ready to be back in the world. Mm. It isn't that. I will forever remember my baby's due dates. I will always have something around those times. And so that type of leave policy is really inclusive of how we might actually grieve and what support we need at different points. So we do a lot of work with our workplace programs now with a lot of large organizations and some small as well on how to implement their own policies based on their business and what their people need. And we advocate internally that way as well. And that I love that program. We actually had someone the other day on a panel who said, I'm currently on this leave, but I joined this conversation because I just wanted to say thank you. And I was just like, Oh, oh you guys are so amazing. That is mm-hmm. honestly, I take my hat off to you because I think there's obviously so many women out there that they need this, you know, and I, I, you need people to advocate mm. for you because in these during these times, you just, you seriously can't do it for yourself. You shouldn't have to. You shouldn't have to. I remember like even in the health system, having to advocate to be tested and things like that. And I'm like, I was exhausted. I was broken. I was a mess. Now I'm quite, I'm known for being quite loud and quite, verbal about what I need so I found that to a point I could do it but imagine if you're not that person yeah. and you, you're in the worst worst you've had the worst news yeah. and you everything's just hard you don't need to have to advocate for yourself you shouldn't have to and that's what hopefully Pink Elephants can help with 
Oh, you guys are so sweet. So can you talk me through sort of like the overarching missions and goals for the organisation? Yeah, sure. So our purpose is so that no one walks the journey of pregnancy loss alone. We know firsthand how isolating this can be. I don't want anyone to ever feel like they've got no one to turn to for support or no one to ask a question to, or you kind of have those situations like, my friend's still pregnant and I'm not, and I'm jealous of her pregnancy. Those type of things play out. Or someone's just made an announcement at work about pregnancy. How come they get to keep their baby and I didn't get to keep mine? And that's the type of thing you might want to articulate with people who you know are going to meet you with that empathy because they've been there and they may have felt that too. So it's that reducing the isolation. The antidote to isolation is connection. We know that. So we provide meaningful peer support connections. And then our mission is to normalize pregnancy loss for the world to see through evidence, empathy, and connection. I think there's this really beautiful ability where we can tell women's stories. You do it amazingly on purpose. And we tell them because there's a sense of connection of someone else listening and going, oh, I feel like uh-huh. you. Oh, you've just put a word around what I, I can't explain myself. And that makes them feel less alone. And then also it can foster more empathy and understanding from those that haven't been through this because when we've got such large numbers of people who go through this experience, then everyone has a role to play. This is not just a woman's issue. It's not a women's health issue. Mm -hmm. Every single person will be touched by another who's gone through this experience. And the majority find this a really traumatic experience Mm -hmm. and they want support. They want to be met with validation and they want to be met with empathy. They don't want to have to do what we talked about earlier where explain, Uh. yeah, Like you don't want to have to do that. You shouldn't have to. So yeah, we want to normalize it so that everybody knows how to talk to someone and how to support someone going through miscarriage. Yeah. And I think a huge part of that is just creating and raising awareness. And how do you go about educating the general public or just everyday Joe Blow about early pregnancy loss? Yeah, we look at it in many different ways. So we look at it as that we've got community awareness campaigns. So last year we ran our At Least campaign. Again, a lot of our work stems from our bereaved parents that we support in our communities and we kept seeing conversations around, at least it happened early. Someone told me, at least I know I can get pregnant. You'll be okay when you fall pregnant again. And this the way that society minimizes it. So we wanted to flip that. And we did a hashtag at least campaign last October and we basically shared the stories and the true impact and how that makes women feel when they're met with those conversations. Or I know it's people trying to find a silver lining. It isn't the silver lining that we need, right? Totally. So we'll do awareness campaigns like that. And they're really, really important to us. But then we also work with workplaces, which I talked about. Um, We create awareness on how to support someone going through this there. And then we also do some work within the health system as well. Um, We'll meet with medical professionals and do what's called in-service education training. So we'll ask our community what their experience is in a hospital setting, for example. Um, And it's heartbreaking. Like I've just been working on that the last week and I can, yeah, it's still nowhere near what it needs to be. Um, People are being minimized that we talked about this earlier as well. It's that medical management. You bump from one person to another, but no one actually says, are you okay? Here's where you go to for support and no one follows up and checks in on you. So we do a lot of articulation with healthcare professionals as well who then can kind of understand the experience from our perspective because bereaved parents are the ones that are central to this. We're the ones that go through the system. Uh We're the ones that feel this pain and this added layer of trauma when you do things like we wake up on a maternity ward after having a DNC. It's not okay. Um, Uh I had one woman tell us how she was given um, a heat pack and they put the heat pack in a baby grow because they have nothing else to wrap it in. Yeah, it's not all right, but it's this, this... 
no one's thinking about it. And those little things can play such a difference. Myself, I had a doctor ask us, could we see the heartbeat? And I knew I've had, had had enough miscarriages by this point. And I knew, and um, yeah, I still, it's, I hate this bit now, but uh, she said, can you, I think I can see a flicker. Can you see a flicker? And um, my husband was horrified. He was with me and he was just like, no, can we have another referral? Can we get someone else in? Because like, there is no flicker. And she just wanted to send us home and be done with us. An hour later, we were in another sonographer and it was confirmed that the baby had passed away. Oh, but I, I shouldn't have been asked. I'm not a medical professional. Don't ask me to find yeah. flicker. And like, there's just those yeah. little things that happen because it's seen as not a big deal. I think yeah. my my toughest experience, and I, I think it happened with all four of my miscarriages, when you're actually going into the ultrasound building or wherever you're going to get it done. And mm-hmm. all the ones that I went to were like sonographers for women and mm-hmm. pregnancy. I'd go and sit in the waiting room and I personally, because yeah. now I've had four, I go in there going, this isn't fucking good. Like I, mm-hmm. you, you kind of already start getting stressed about it and you sit in this this waiting room and the woman next to you is like eight months pregnant and they're walking out with their photos of the baby mm. with her partner and then Happy. there's another person walking in and I haven't found it re- like the most recent one that I had in January, I think of this year or February of this year. I, obviously we speak about it, I speak about it so openly. I actually had women like walking into the room and like, oh, Chloe, I listened to your podcast and, mm. and it was like, like God, I please just like putting my head down, going like I don't like, I love you, but I Not also now. like I don't want to talk about it. Or like a husband would walk in and recognize my husband and be like, "Oh, Fisher, I love you." And I'm like, oh, it's just it's such a hard situation." But it's the the pregnant bellies with women mm-hmm. in there that are the, actually the hardest part. And I just don't understand how they can have the same waiting room. Like I. Mm. How is that not a thing? I don't, I don't yeah, get that. A hundred percent. And we hear that every day. Um, and it's that whole, why are you putting us in front of the very thing that we want the most? The thing that we've just lost, the thing that hurts. Yeah. It's so cruel. And it's unintentionally cruel. It's the way that it's designed. But someone can re- redesign this. We can change these things. But it takes yeah. us sharing these stories and saying, this is how much this this hurts me. And that's the part that actually I remember most in my journey, my experience. And that's how much you're adding to my trauma. Now, can we do something about this, please? Now can, but it doesn't take one story, sadly. It takes many of us. And that speaks to like medical misogyny. It's a woman's health experience. If this happened to men, I guarantee you so much more of this would have been changed 20, 30, 50 years ago. We would not be here today having the experience that we do in the health system that we do. We wouldn't. I've spoken to women who have ectopic pregnancies and are absolutely minimized by their doctors who are saying, it's just a miscarriage. She shouldn't be in this much pain. Just take her home. Actually, no, it's an ectopic. It's life-threatening and she needs urgent medical care. But because we have this, the way that that works from the patriarchy and their perspective, it's just, it exacerbates all of our problems, all of our pain, trauma, all of those things when we're not met with the validation that we deserve. Yeah, it's so sad. It really is sad. Hopefully in the next, you know, coming years and we're going to be able to sort of change that. And that's my purpose. And I, you know, I still haven't got my baby in my arms yet, but I will still keep speaking about it and I'll still keep advocating for those who do suffer in silence because there's so many women and I get messages constantly, even though when I feel like I have my days where I'm like, nah, you're doing, you're not doing enough or I don't know. I just sometimes, obviously, you have your good days and your bad days, but then I get these beautiful messages from women in in my inbox saying, like, 
you have no idea how much listening to your story and listening to you speak has helped me because I'm going through the exact same thing, but nobody knows about it. And yeah, it's, it's like therapy for me to talk about it, but it's just, it is really, really, really awful time for some women and men. And I think that the partners, a lot of partners suffer in silence because who's asking them, yes. like, are you okay? Or they're watching their their partner go through probably some of the, the toughest times of their lives and they feel helpless. They it's it's it, it's just shitty all around. But do you have spaces for women who are actually going through miscarriages to speak to other women who are going through it? Yeah, we're all different, right? So there's different needs. So we have we've we've took peer support. That's the, at the heart or the crux of what we offer. And we've looked at what are the different ways that women want to access because we're all different. We're all based in different locations. Um, but we also have different experiences of where we seek help. So firstly, we have the resources, the information that can read on the website, pinkelephants.org.au. There's a wealth of that. That's written from lived experience. It's not medical advice. It is that emotional support that when you're going through these, and there are things for partners on there too. We then also have the online communities. That's group support where you might post something that's happening to you and you might be met with lots of responses. Those groups are private and closed and you can post anonymously. But then in addition to that, we have beautiful group of what we call our peer support companions. And they are women with lived experience who have finished building their families, have been through their own experiences of pregnancy loss, IVF, all sorts of different experiences. And they now give back by providing that one-on-one support. So they will either do that via live chat on our website. You can jump on, I think it's three evenings a week and just speak to someone and just share what you're thinking and you'll be met with someone who gets it and understands. Again, they're not providing counselling. That's not what we are. Um, It is just someone who gets it from a lived experience perspective but can offer you some tips and things on how they've coped or what things you can do to help you get through a difficult time. Um, And you can do that over the phone as well if you want. You can book in a session to speak to someone. Um, And we also have a bereavement support program which is facilitated by a counsellor and that's a really beautiful bereavement support program I describe it in this way and I get told off because it might not be the best gender way, but it, it's kind of like your mum's group. It's like you leave hospital without a baby in your arms and you get nothing. You leave uh. hospital with a baby and you're given this mum's group to meet with and to, oh, my baby's not sleeping, my baby's not doing this. But on the other side, I've left with no baby and been devastated and not known what to do and how to get through each day. And so we have this bereavement support program and we put anywhere from eight to 12 women in one group at a time. And those sessions go for an hour each week for six weeks and you're brought together. So there's an element of peer support where you hold space for each other, but it's facilitated by our wonderful counsellor, Marianne. She's amazing. She's just has her own lived experience and is a therapist with lived experience. And she might be things like they unpack how you return to work, what conversations you can have. It might be Uh, mindfulness. So what kind of tips you can put in place and strategies to help yourself go through the next few weeks and partner conversations because we all grieve differently, right? And you might think your partner's not grieving, but they are, they're just presenting in a different way. How we can have conversations around that. And I know that that program's fairly new. It's only two years in with Pink Elephants, but we get incredible feedback about the difference that that makes because it's education, it's peer support, and it's that whole counselling-led theory based as well that makes a huge difference for women when they need it most. When I got told about the Pink Elephant Support Network, I really just thought it was just a website with a bunch of information. I actually genuinely didn't know that there was all these different programs with the counsellors and the communities and the chats with women who have actually made it to the other end and have their babies in their arms. But all of this 
This is free, yeah? Yeah, all free. We're a charity. I don't believe anyone should have to access this and pay for this. It's a big thing for me when I started Pink Elephants. I wasn't someone that needed IVF, but I know that a lot of people I was talking to were also going down paths of IVF. I myself was doing things like seeing a naturopath and that was, I was coming out with like a $300 bill every week for different things. Naturopath, acupuncture. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And it just felt like everyone just needed money from me. And I was like, I want someone to genuinely care for me. And I'm not saying that some of these services shouldn't be charged for. I have no problem. But I also have a kind of a social lens on this and equitable access. What about those women? that can't afford all of that extra mm. stuff. What what says mm. that they don't deserve it or need it or like we can give, so we should. And and for me as well, I genuinely believe that the Australian government has a role to play here. We don't have ongoing funding from the government at all. But I think that there is something in that, that they should be meeting us in some way to be able to support these women, that they shouldn't just fall all on a charity either. But that was also partly intentional when we started this to be a charity that Yes, we can have donations. That's amazing. And we're really grateful for everyone that does like beautiful fundraisers for us. But also this should be partly funded by the Department of Health as well, right? Because this is a women's health issue. We need more access to more early intervention support. We also know from research that if we provide early intervention support when someone has a traumatic instance like a pregnancy loss, they're less likely to have poor mental health outcomes like anxiety, post-traumatic stress right. disorder, suicidal thoughts. We know it's common with this. And right. if we can make that difference earlier on, they're actually going to help the health system, right? So there's a need there as well that we want to see more support from those. But yeah, absolutely needed to be a charity. I don't think that women need to pay for access to anything like this. Oh, it's so nice. I feel like a lot of women as well, because so many women come and I think to our podcast to hear about our experiences and want help in in this sort of category. And I think that it's going to be so helpful for so many of them. What, um, I know you just touched on it before, but probably for the counsellor, it's, it's, it would definitely be a case-by-case situation. But what are some of the key coping strat- strategies that you recommend for those going through early pregnancy loss? Yeah, sure. I think uh, there's different things. One of the things that springs to mind straight away when you ask that question is that validation, giving yourself permission to grieve because this is such a disenfranchised experience. Still to this day, we're still met with those at least comments. So it almost feels like you shouldn't grieve, that it's not worthy of grief. Um, So I think the first thing that's really important is that permission to grieve. Then it's a knowledge that nothing you did caused you to lose your baby. This is not your fault in any way. And and that hopefully plays away in removing some shame, stigma. And then in terms of like coping strategies is learning what your healthy boundaries are, learning how you can give yourself space to grieve, but also kind of work towards being able to integrate yourself back into that might be your workplace, that might be your community. Having those safe people around you, who's your go-to person, who can you absolutely be 110% honest with that I'm not coping today, this is too hard. Can Uh you tell the group of girlfriends, I can't make that baby shower. Can you speak to this person for me? Um, Can you be my wing person at work? I can't be in that meeting. I just need to go. So having someone to help you with that kind of inform your own boundaries. But yeah, I think the biggest thing is, is that permission to grieve. We see it so often that with this, we ultimately just want a baby in our arms. And I remember this personally as well, that willingness just to go again and again and again and again, because I just wanted a baby. Um, Sorry, it still gets me now. And and because you go and go and go and go and go, you forget to actually, not forget, but you don't give the grief the time that it needs 
to kind of move through you. I know we interviewed one woman and she talked about how she firmly believes her mental health issues were because she had this overwhelming amount of grief inside her and she hadn't expressed it or let it out in any way. And it just was all of this love and grief inside of her, but nowhere to go. And then that led to really, really difficult time mentally for her. Uh, So yeah, I think it is that permission to grieve, thinking about how you can kind of put boundaries around your life and putting yourself first, 100%. Like what you need right now is more important than anything else. I I absolutely agree. And I think as well with in my circumstances, I still don't think I've grieved properly. Because Mm. at the end of the day, when you go through a miscarriage, you feel like you're like, okay, cool. Okay, when can Mm. I try again? When can I, I'm going to be really fertile now. You know, all these... I don't know whether they're, they're misconceptions because, I mean, no. it didn't work for us. And I, I think that you definitely get told that. But, it, yeah, I think it's really, really difficult for... I feel like I need to go through, like, the grief process myself and start getting help to actually act properly grieve all of my pregnancies because I just don't feel like I did it properly. Yeah, it's hard. Not properly, yeah. but, like, I just didn't do it at all. Yeah, and that's normal. And it's okay too, right? Because sometimes we do just... We can't do it in that moment. It's too much. And it, we actually yeah. know it can properly break us. So we might not do it then. And you can come back to it at a later point with support. I love the fact that you're accessing a therapist. I think that's just so needed. And yeah. I think that's really validating for everyone to hear who's listening today that it's okay to ask for support through this. And that might be peer support. But it might also be a therapist. You might go to your GP and get a mental health uh-huh. care plan. I uh-huh. had peer support. I had a therapist. I went on medication for my anxiety. And uh-huh. even now, I look back and my journey is in terms of having babies finally come to a close last year. Um, I had 10 years of having babies, losing right. babies, trying to be pregnant, not falling pregnant, like cupboards full of bloody tests. And then COVID right. happened. And if I saw a double line on a COVID test, it gave me anxiety yeah. and yeah. just all of these other things. And then I'm just even like, I'd go for a scan for something else and ultrasound and I'd have an absolute panic attack. And you don't realize until those situations outside of that pregnancy also impact you that you go, this this really impacted me in many other ways that I never foreseen or I never understood at the time. But I even feel like now I'm only just coming out the other side where I go, okay, that those last 10 years for me were literally, I was in fight or flight the entire time. It was all about having the baby in my arms and it was less about how I process and go through what I'm going through and how I kind of yeah, worked my way through that. And I feel like it's only now that I'm giving myself space to do that. It's it's fascinating. I, I genuinely just don't believe that we are given anywhere near enough empathy and understanding for how deep our losses can impact us and how long they stay with us. It's not a moment in time like society believes. Uh, yeah, I know. Do you find working in this space triggering for you? Because you have to sort of essentially relive it constantly. Yeah, um, I've been it's kind of like waves of this. We talk about grief in waves. When I was pregnant with Rosie, my last baby, I probably should have stepped away from pink elephants. I probably shouldn't have carried on doing it. But it coincided because the universe is the universe. It coincided with COVID. Um, we lost three staff during COVID. We had to retrench because our funds dropped dramatically. And so there was only myself and Amanda left within Pink Elephants working every day. So I couldn't step away and I wasn't willing to, everything we'd worked towards and built and knew that this still needed to exist. So I carried on working through. It wasn't smart and I, it did really, really nearly break me. I, yeah. The longer I've worked in this space, the more I'm learning about my own boundaries, what I can and can't do. Um, we've done a project recently 
listening to a lot of women's stories and I had a diary full and I said, I need to break this down. I cannot do this in a week. I was by the oh, Friday, really? my husband was like, who are you? What is going on? What have you been doing this week? And I, I was completely triggered because it can be something in someone's story that's so much like your own that can just right. knock you. It can be something that's nothing like your own story, but I get really angry. <laughs> yeah. Because eight years, it becomes tiresome when women are still being met in the same way. And I get really frustrated. And I'm like, why isn't this changing? Why are we not doing more? Why does nobody else care? Like, let's do more. And then that can wear me down. But I guess I'm getting better with time about yeah. learning that I also deserve time outside of this and time with, I've worked so hard to have my children that I can't work 24 seven. I need to have time with them too and putting those things in place. But it's not, it, it's definitely not an easy job. And that's not just me. There's now eight of us internally at Pink Elephants who work in this every week. And I'm really passionate about trying to make sure that they all get space as well, because I can see when they're triggered and when it's too much for them too. But I guess there's a duality of that where we also get the beauty of they will get a message from someone that we've made all the difference to. And all of a sudden you go, yeah, say, that's why we do it. This is so worth it because that yeah. woman just got this, this and that because of us. Yeah, I absolutely feel you there. Because <laughs> like I have definitely been in the trenches, especially as of late. And you just, mm-hmm. all it takes is that one message of someone saying like, you've really changed my life or you've helped me so much that you're like, okay, this is why I do what I do. It's a really special feeling. It's really hard to it's hard to articulate the way that it makes you feel. Just, but yeah, it definitely makes it all worth it. You know how we spoke about before the partners obviously struggle through this as well. Are there resources online that you have for partners, friends, community, family that can go on there for a help for themselves and b guidance on how they can help a loved one going through miscarriage? Yeah. Absolutely. So we have resources on our website, which are designed more to educate them on how they can support someone going through the loss, but also like what they can say. So we've got a use your words resource, which is also one of our most commonly Uh downloaded because it shows you people want to say the right thing. They just don't Uh know because we're given no education around this. Um, So we've got a partner resource that's similar as well. Um, It's less about the partner and the support that they need, though it is very much more about them as the support person and what they're trying to kind of provide that articulation of what their partner may or may not be feeling and giving them a little bit of a heads up that this is not just something that will last for a week. It could go on for this period too. So we've got a lot of resources that way. One of the things that we're looking to work on in the new year is diversifying our resources and creating more. We know that there's still such a massive content gap. We know that there is different types of resources that people need information around this topic. And that's what we want to build out more on. Yeah. All comes with time and funding to be able to do this as well though, right? And like you yeah. touched on it earlier, you may have been given a referral to Pink Elephants, but we know that we still have a huge gap in that way, that we want everyone who is given the news that their baby has died during a pregnancy to be given a bereavement pathway, a resource from the health professional that tells them where they can access support because Um, that in itself provides that validation, right? When a doctor tells you this is an instance worthy of support, this is something that's quite difficult, you're more likely to seek support. When you're not given that referral for support and society tells you it's just a miscarriage, you're less likely to access support. So I guess it's kind of duality of trying to work on making sure everyone's got that referral, but also then that we have more content for when they do come to us as well. Yeah, I always say this as well about when, when people ask me how they can best support their friends. And I always say that I think it's so important that you educate yourself. 
And I know that your website has so many different ways for friends and family to educate themselves because I, I, when friends come up to me and they really understand different components when it, when it comes to pregnancy, not loss, not, they obviously can't feel it from like an emotional level, but they can, they can really research and they can understand what you're going through. That I felt like meant so much to me when my girlfriends came up to me and, you know, they said, Hey, I've been looking into this. That was, I feel like that was my, the best bit of support that someone could give me. Yeah, we agree. We hear that, that feeling of they've taken their time out of their yes, day exactly. to go and learn more about this, which shows me how much they care. And also then exactly. that they're just willing to learn, right? Because yeah. there's too much of the minimization. That's, yeah, we know that women really love it. So yeah, there's lots of information for friends, loved ones on our website on how to support someone through loss. Yeah. And I know there's so many plans on the horizon. There's something exciting that we want to share with you guys. But where do you guys see yourself in like short-term, long-term goals within the company or the organization? Can I say it? Because I'm really excited. Um, so <laughs> <laughs> uh, we are short-term going through an incredible process of a board refresh, which sounds very fancy. But Chloe is joining the Pink Elephants board. I am incredibly excited by you willing to do this. I think it's going to make a huge difference for us. Um, so we're going through a board refresh. We have a point with Pink Elephants now where we are outgrowing. We're not a small startup charity anymore, which is exciting. Uh, we have these huge new projects that are going to offer revolutionary support for women going through miscarriage. We are here to change it. I've had enough. It's not been good enough for too long. We're going to advocate. We're going to get louder. We're going to offer more enhanced personalized support. But to do that, we need an incredible team of experts on our board to help guide us with that. And Chloe, you're coming on our board to help that happen. Yeah, I'm so excited. A few, it was actually a few months ago. We've been trying mm -hmm. to line this chat up for a really long time. But yeah, I guess Sam came to me a few months ago and asked if I wanted to be part of the board. And it was a, probably a no-brainer for me because, you know, I'm such a big advocate in this space and I've gone through four miscarriages now. And if there's any way that I can, you know, help more women feel seen and feel heard and try and use my experience and what I've been going through to help you guys with the organization. Yeah, it was a no-brainer and I'm so excited and I'm so honored to be involved. And I, my first board meeting is coming up. So I'll have to wear my business attire and not my active wear like I am today. <laughs> Maybe I'll have I to love it. I have active corporate. wear on. Yeah, <laughs> no, we all do that, right? It's like this board sounds fancy. Corporate <laughs> on me top, today. casual on bottom. Yeah. <laughs> Absolutely. But it's a, do you know what? Our board is becoming an incredible collective of individuals, some with lived experience, some without lived experience, but have watched their dear loved ones go through this and said, enough, I want to do something about this as well, which I think also shows how much this conversation is changing, right? Um, and that, yeah, they're coming together. And I'm really excited about the direction it's going to take Pink Elephants in within the next five years and how much we can grow. We are only touching the surface on the amount of people we can support and and it sounds sad to say it excites me, but it does. Oh, no. It excites me that we can be the leaders in this space of providing early pregnancy loss support in Australia, but we can do it in a way that can make such a profound impact for women and their partners and their loved ones and their workplaces to ensure that they feel validated through this experience. They feel met with empathy and understanding. They don't feel isolated and alone. And they feel like everybody actually cares and is genuine about this experience of them losing their baby. Um, and I just feel like there's so much more we can do. And I'm, yeah, I'm really excited about that, Pink Elephants. Yeah, I think we've got a few goals that we want to kick. And I think between the 
the lot of us, I'm really excited to get involved and really excited to try to make a change, you know, and I, that's what I try and do on these podcasts, but I feel like I'm just stepping up my game here a little bit and really immersing my, myself in it firsthand. And yes, I cannot wait. And we speak about how you guys are a non, uh, not-for-profit organization. How can people get involved? How can people help? I know when I went through, I think one of my miscarriages, we did a whole episode on it and we did a GoFundMe and we raised a, a bit of money for you guys. I think it was last yeah. year. And we matched whatever our um, listeners donated. We matched with that with them. And how can people get involved? Obviously, you can donate, but are there any other ways that people can get involved to try and support you guys? Yeah, 100%. There are many ways that you can make a difference. Donations are hugely, hugely important and valued to us, no matter the amount. Um, we support thousands of people. So imagine if every thousands of people gave us even just $10 together, that would make a huge amount for us to provide more support for women when they need it most and their partners. Um, but it's not just donations. You can introduce us to your workplace HR and say, hey, I've just been through a pregnancy loss. Pink Elephants offer wonderful resources for workplaces. I want to connect you to them because this is how much that experience mattered. And we do charge a fee for that program to workplaces. So that is another revenue piece for us. But what it also uh-huh. does is it allows us to put those funds right back into the circle of support and reach more people. You can hold a fundraiser for us. We've got incredible, we're seeing a lot of partners at the moment, which I think speaks to different types of grief, but we've got amazing people running marathons for us. Absolutely incredible. Um, we've got, we had... Don't look at me. Oh, no, don't I'm not going to be able to... I'm not going to be able to run a marathon. <laughs> maybe so one day, maybe that could broke. be the next goal. We can do it together. Yeah, maybe maybe we can walk it, right? <laughs> um, but yeah, so all those type of things, fundraise, go to our website. There's so many different ideas on the fundraising aspects and we're really grateful for anyone that does that. And then, yeah, there's donations, there's connections. But if, if that's not your thing, just actually engaging with our content on social and sharing uh-huh. it with your networks, that helps because you are then part of changing the conversation. You are saying, this is something that I care about. This is something that needs to change. I agree with what Pink Elephants are saying. Share it. And that, and that makes a huge difference too. It doesn't always all come back to money, right? Yes, we need funds. We always do. Mm-hmm. We're a charity. We want to provide this support for free. But there are other ways that you can definitely be involved with Pink Elephants. Oh. And I know off air, we've been talking about the miscarriage rebellion. Do you want to explain to our listeners a little bit about that and what's involved? Yeah, absolutely. The miscarriage rebellion is a new campaign from Pink Elephants because it's time to get loud. For too long, we have been minimized by our experiences of early pregnancy loss. We've been met with the at least. We've been pushed from pillar to post and medically managed through our experience, but nobody is taking the time to think about how this impacts us emotionally and how the loss of our baby stays with us forever. So we are intentionally telling more stories through the miscarriage rebellion. But the idea is that we want you to come alongside us and you may or may not be ready to tell your own story, but what we want you to do is to join the rebellion by signing our petition at pinkelephants.org.au. We're then going to take this petition of signatures to federal parliament to demonstrate the amount of women that do not feel like they've been met with the empathy, understanding or support that they deserved when their baby died and to tell MPs and the government about what needs to change for the experience of early pregnancy loss because we can't carry on like this. I cannot witness nearly 300 women every day devastated by the loss of the baby and met with such a disenfranchised and invalidating experience. And it's time for change. We're leading that change with a miscarriage rebellion. Join us, sign the petition and even write a letter to your own MP if you feel the urge to do that as well. 
Yes, Sam. I cannot it's wait right. to be involved in this. Yeah, you nailed that. I and we're, we're gonna, getting loud with this. <laughs> yes, and we're gonna. We'll put a link in our show notes as well. So if it's one thing that you guys do today, please, please, please head to the show notes, click on the link, sign the petition, so we can get louder. We can get the governments. We can get everyone involved and try and make a bigger difference in women's lives. Oh, thank you so much, Sam, for your time. You've been amazing and I'm so excited to be part of the board and try and change things for the path moving forward for women going through this early pregnancy loss. And yeah, thank you so much for your time. Awesome. Thanks for having us, Chloe. I'm excited to um, get working on this with you. Before you go, because this is such an important episode and again, so many women and men struggle in silence, Another way in which you can help is by sharing this episode on your socials to really get the word out there about how the pink elephants can support you or your friend or your loved one going through early pregnancy loss. Mm -hmm.